Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Welcome back to Shell and Tell. We're bringing you another Birdland BS segment. It's a little late this week. I'm sorry for that. We record Tuesday nights, for those of you that don't know. Watch the live show, 7.30 p.m., anywhere that you can find live streaming. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all that good stuff. Um, find the podcast version of Birdland BS anywhere you find us, anywhere you find podcasts. iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. For those of you that don't know, probably getting old for those of you that do, Birdland BS is our parent company, covers pretty much all Baltimore sports, Orioles, Ravens, Terps, and then anything else that is relevant to the Baltimore sports arena. We uh, recorded live this Tuesday night with a very special guest, Mr. Jeremy Kahn from 105.7 The Fan. Because it was such a special guest, um, I kind of missed a couple things in the Terps this weekend. I want to apologize, and maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later, or maybe we'll just save that for next Tuesday. I think we'll we'll save the recruiting stories for next Tuesday. Those of you in the know know there was a interesting catfish situation this week, so we'll tease that a little bit. Um, talk about that next Tuesday night, where we had a decommitment and a recommitment. Also had Shell and Tell's first um, commitment through the through the podcast. Many of you know that from listening to the audio podcast, but those that only watched Birdland BS didn't get to catch that last year or last week. Um, this segment here starts a little abruptly. Uh, what this is, what happened was we did the Raven segment with Jeremy Khan, and then we went to our social media shout out. Those of you that have never tuned in live, we have live commenters in the chat room, and we'd like to bring in as much of their content as possible. For this, with the special guest, what we did was he asked. Get your ask me anything questions in for Jeremy, and we would ask the top three during our social media shout out, where we tell everybody that's been interacting in the in the room. And then this week we did the top three questions for Jeremy. This is question number three uh, because it's the first one of those terps related. First two are Ravens related, and I'm not going to subject you to that. So starts out a little abruptly. I apologize for that, but I hope you guys really enjoy his takes. Really good basketball mind. Really glad we had him on the show. It was a lot of fun. I'm sure we're going to do it again soon. Um, and go Terps. All right. Well, question three. We'll go Joe Carlozo, his other question then. <laughs> All right. uh, do the Terps make the tournament if they lose on Thursday night to MSU? I, I still think so. And initially, before I saw Joe Lenardi's projections, like he has them 90% in. Yeah. And, and a I'm 10 going, seed right now. Yeah. Right? And I'm looking at it going, I, they're not very good. But I guess, you know, outside of the – if we wanted to go top 14, top 15 teams. And when I say not very good, I'm talking about in the context of just looking at um, how everything's gone this year. We, we didn't see them, you know, scratching the top 25 as much as you'd like. I, I don't think the roster is all that great. I think Turge is getting the most out of this roster. 
that he can. So I, the funny thing is, up until these last two losses, I thought this was one of his better coaching jobs, believe it or not, with the talent. Because I don't think there's much talent here. I just don't. Right. Um, and like relying on Wiggins, where you're like they keep saying, "Oh, he's got such a huge ceiling." Well, when's he going to hit it? Like I, I mean, he's been fine, but when he's your when he's your one A, and if you want to talk about Ayala being the other guy and Scott and some of the like, I, I like it. And Morcel's a phenomenal player. Like love him to death, but he's not adding anything offensively on most nights. Right. So, so their their scoring has been an issue, and so devising things and trying to figure stuff out. I think they get in even if they lose. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. Like they, right now, they're projected to play Clemson in the first round um, in some of these mock uh, yeah. mock uh, brackets or whatever you want. Bracketology. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. things are clearly going to change. The ACC started today. Uh, you'll get the second round of that tomorrow. Big Ten starting soon. So. I think if they lose on Thursday, which I expect them to to Michigan State, um, that they still get in. And then here they are, like backing their way in with three losses. And I always tell people, those are the teams I like to gamble on because the point spread's going to be in your favor. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see the Terps pick up a win. Not but, knowing the bracket, obviously, we don't know what that's going to look like yet. You're a big college basketball guy. Who are your two teams that you'd like to see in the championship? Um, I love Michigan. Yeah. Uh, I love the way they're. I didn't like the way they finished the season. Uh, a couple of losses there, but. There were a couple of times where they really locked down on defense in the second half. Um, I, you know, everybody's talking about the top three with Michigan, Baylor, and right. Gonzaga, and and the other thing with Illinois sliding in there now that uh, they're healthy again. Um, th- those four teams are outrageously good, but I I like Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mac McClung's there from Georgetown. Um, you know, and and. West Virginia is always a sneaky team to me because they're a tough team to play, but they just got housed by Oak State without Cade Cunningham. Right. Who, Cade Cunningham's the best player in the country. Uh, if you haven't watched Oklahoma State play, he yeah. might be the number one player in the or number one draft pick in the NBA draft. But uh, I'm trying to think of some other team. Like, oh, the other team that I've been bringing up, and uh, I'll, I'll use my last name. Watch UConn. Yeah, uh, Book Knight is back. He's healthy. Their ba- backcourt is what you need to drive you in March Madness. I not only think that UConn's going to win the Big East tournament. I think they're going to make a run in the postseason. I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the Elite Eight Final Four, or even making a longer run than that. My so, money wow. is going on UConn. Then, if they're coming from this guy, yeah, it's right. going on UConn. Well, <laughs> you bring the up. women's team's going to win again yeah. as usual. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, all right. So, I got I got one question, and then Ryan got one question. Then we'll get you out of here. So, my question: I'm going to Vegas this weekend. <laughs> oh, jeez. What's one bet that you would recommend making going into this weekend? I mean, black. You can, you Metal can, black. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to say just because of what the spreads are going to be. Like, I mean, if you're going to make a futures bet, I mean, look, I like it's there's value with teams like UConn. So the hard thing about making futures bets, because I'm not a guy like it, it's a little bit different uh, with like, for example, I bet the Ravens last year to win the Super Bowl. It didn't happen. But I like the odds that I got them at, especially right. coming off a 14 and two season. So I'm going, all right, I'll make that bet. Um, two years ago, and it's funny that the Utah Jazz are playing extremely well, I put a, a hefty wager on the Jazz to win the NBA championship. Now, in my mind, do I think the Jazz are winning? No, because they still got to get through the Lakers, the Clippers, right. and all these other teams. But I thought they were a really good team that would put it together last year. Now it's pissing me off seeing what they're doing this year. <laughs> right. But um, but again, like ultimately, I don't think they win the NBA championship, but I think there's tremendous value in that bet. And that's the hard thing to try to tell people. It's like, I might not be giving you a winner with this futures bet, but you're getting a ton of value. It's the same thing right. I said, like the UFC this past weekend when I, I talked about the main event fight with Adesanya yeah. and, and Jan. I was going, Jan is a live dog. Like, I think if you bet him, you're on the right side to bet him. But ultimately, I, I, I think Adesanya wins the fight, but you're getting like two to one odds on this guy that just won two previous fights as underdogs. Outright underdog, he won. Right. right. So, and then again, now it's three in a row because he, he, he beat Adesanya. So, um, yeah, that's the hard part because in betting in MMA, 
Major League Baseball, hockey, because you're playing that money line. Yeah. The value is in betting underdogs, and it's such a difficult thing to do because nobody wants to come in and bet a guy plus 130. You're like, oh, wait a minute. I bet 100 bucks. I get an extra 30. Yeah. No, I want the guy that's 170 because I think he's going to win. Right. But ultimately, over the long haul, that's how you make money. It's, it's that whole thing of any, you know, any given Sunday, any, any, any day, any team, any game. Well, so, yeah. For example, if I gave you um, like a three-to-one bet, you know, like a minus 300 team. Right. So, and you bet them three times to win. All I need to do is go one and two right. to, to make my money, like to, to ultimately make money. Um, whereas you need to win, like if you lose one of them, you're going to lose money. Right. U- right. Ultimately, because you're, you're going to lose three to one when you lose that bet. And not to say that it, it's a hard way to look at things. That's why I like betting the NBA, betting college basketball, football, more people like to do that because uh, baseball and, and hockey and all those things, they end up losing because they always want to bet on the, the better team. Right. And the better team doesn't always win. I mean, even we talk about the Yankees winning 100 games. Still means they lost sixty two. Right, you know, like it's th- that's comprehending that over the the course of the long haul, and it's picking your spots, picking the right spots. Right, right, makes so, sense. All right, what do you got, Ryan? All right, well, I'm going to preemptively go to the Shell and Tell logo here, since he's, uh, <laughs> or I'm sorry, not the Shell and Tell cam, but the Shell and Tell logo, so that I can get this uh, question in. My question is: I've been a Turge supporter. I put out the fire Turge question, the one man show with at one Shell and Tell. But the Penn State game, man, left and right, I was going, is he asleep? What's he doing? I didn't like that we were on a 12-0 run, and he pulled all his seniors that he started. I get you start the seniors because it's a it's an honorary start, and you want your best talent on the court. But when you're on a run, you let it be until that run stops. That's my opinion. And then also, how do you let Lundy go for 31 when you have the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten you're not manning him up, or you're not playing a box and one. It just looked like he didn't coach at all during that game, and I've never been that guy. Yeah, so that that's always my thought process when I coach is like if I have a guy on the other team that I want to make sure doesn't beat me, I'm going to. I mean, box and one. You're giving when you run a box and one, you're giving up a lot. There's so much space to cover, and if you have other shooters, you can bury yourself. So I like using it the same way I would use a press. Um, meaning, again, here, here's another bad analogy, like like a boxer that jabs. So I want to surprise you with it. I want to hit you with it real quick. Get out of it. So now as soon as you get uh, comfortable with that, then I get out of it. I would have shown Lundy so many looks. I would have run two players at him. I would have, I would have hedged him uh, off of any of these screens to make sure he's not getting good looks. And you're right. Watching that game, you're going, what the hell are they doing? Like, they, were, they were just confident that one player wasn't going to beat him. They're like, well, everybody else is shut down, so we're fine. And he did. But that one player he 100% beat him. did. Yeah. And then that's to me, that does fall on Turge. Like, in, in the two games that they lost, they jump out to early leads, and you're feeling pretty good. And it's like, what happened? Why, why are they falling apart? I mean, they had the big lead against Penn State and blew it. Yeah. Um, and look, ultimately, it's probably not going to mean much except for seeding. And that's something we got into. The Terps are at that point of their season where I don't think them winning helps their stock ultimately that much. From Like going from a 10 to a 9 where you're going to play the one seed in the next round if you win or even going to an 8. It's kind of the same thing. We talked about that two weeks ago. I said, I want to get up to a five or right. down to a 13-14 yeah. because it's ugly in the middle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a lot of good mid-major teams that we're not sure how good they are, and it's going to be a matchup dependent. And the weird thing this year, depending on how many fans are in there, it makes you wonder because the underdog always seems to have an advantage because if you're a Maryland fan and let's say Michigan's playing uh, Eastern Washington or something or Cal Santa Barbara uh, – Everybody becomes Cal Santa Barbara fans there because they'd rather see Michigan lose, you know. Right, that's yeah. and now this year you might not get that. They might not be able to feed off the crowd. So I'm kind of curious to see if the cream rises to the top or if we see the upsets that we've seen in years. No past. more UMBC situations. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, 
Can't thank you Thanks, enough man. for man taking yeah, time and joining us, man. This is a lot of fun. We got to do this again. Uh, anything else that you want to say? Anything else you want to plug? Any t- where people could find you on social media or anything? No, I mean, I, look, I'm Jeremy Con one zero five seven. You can find me on there. You can uh, check me out on. Um, you know, on, on Facebook, the same thing. I, I think I'm maxed out at friends on there, which is I, I accepted every friend request, and then people are like, "How come you nice, haven't accepted I'm my in. friend requests?" And then you know, ultimately, I end up going and deleting people that have died or have dead accounts or whatever. It's it's a very disgusting thing to try to do. So you can follow me on there too. But I post all my picks. If anybody's interested in the gambling side, um, I'm interested to see how every other pick's doing because I was big on Duke today and big on the Miami over. They both hit earlier, and then I went five and two last night. So kind of getting back on the hot streak again. Hopefully heading into March Madness because last uh, two years ago, I I killed it. I had I, I like I had Virginia parlayed so many different ways when they won the national championship. That's awesome. And I woke up in the morning, looked at my account, and went, "Holy hell! Did that just happen? <laughs> Today's uh, gonna be a good day." <laughs> but no, and and for people that want the Mo bobbleheads, we're talking about putting in a second order. We'll have it on a website where it'll be easier to get. Nice. Um, we're 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 learning through our mistakes and yeah. trying to get them out to people. But I want everybody that wants to have one to have one. So appreciate it. Appreciate yeah. it, Jeremy. All right, man. All right, All right, guys. Well, we're into the shell and tell segment here, then, even though we've kind of preempted it here. Yeah, I know. You jumped the gun like I, normal. I, need, I needed to be put there. I needed to be talked <laughs> off the cliff. All right. So yeah. as we talked a little bit, the Terps follow up the five-game win streak with two of the worst losses of the year to end the regular season, eighth in the Big Ten. I don't know how to cover these. I had like three pages <laughs> worth of notes, and everybody's like, we can't do this, Ryan. I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you. A lot of stuff happened with the Terps this week. A lot of stuff happened, but let's just sum it up. They shat the bed. They did. It's they as did. simple as that, Ryan. They shat the bed. That's it. That, it we're done. Yeah. We don't need to talk anymore. Well, I guess we'll go a little deeper than that then. <laughs> well, I, I broke this down a little good, bad, ugly. So we, we've talked a little bit of the bad, so we're going to start here with the good. Good. Northwestern. Wiggins went. Oh. Yeah, he looked good in that game. Career high, 26 points, uh, 10, for, uh, 10 for 15, including 5 for 9 from deep, 3 steals. The interesting thing that I found was that for the first time in Wiggins' college career, he took more two-point attempts than threes. Do you think this had something to do with the success, or do you think this was just a one-off issue? He just, he just could not miss in this game. And, and it's what we've been, you know, you, you have had some issues with his play. At times, right, and not producing the way that he should, just looked like effort. Because I do think he's talented. I, I like Jeremy's talking about his ceiling. I'm one of those guys. I've I see glimpses of the ceiling. But I it's wanna... also it's also with this team. Sometimes it's it's a patience issue and not in the way that you're thinking. It's a patience issue in that sometimes they're too damn patient to look for the perfect shot, taking it down to eight seconds all the time. At other times, they're rushing it. And he's one of the prime guys that's doing that. At times, he just rushes too much, or he's taking too much time trying to find the open shot, trying to see if he can open up the lane. And I get it. But at the same time, when the shot's in front of you and you can hit the three like he can, so take so, it. So do you think that this is just a game flow thing, that he only just got, had more twos and threes because that's just what they were giving him? I think it's just... I, it could be game flow. I just think there's something him with him with confidence because he's he's been. If you look at his numbers over the over this year, he has been up and down all year long, and this is just happens to be the highest peak at the right time, and it's with threes. Are they dishing it to him? It was it could be could it be game flow with coverage of other guys like how they were covering Ayala? It's quite possible, but it's it's just frustrating with him that he's so inconsistent with his play. Yeah. Uh, the other positive thing was we did uh, 
talk about a little bit with Jeremy. Hot starts. Uh, specifically, 9 nothing versus Northwestern. 12 nothing versus Penn State. Again, Turch pulled his seniors. I don't understand. I feel like you can catch lightning in a bottle on a senior night. Yes, they are not your most talented players, but if they're... Over, it's adrenaline. Running on adrenaline. Like, let them run on adrenaline. See what how long that goes. So I did not like that he pulled them, and it fell apart. Now, mostly it was because Lundy was on the bench, and after that timeout, Lundy came in and scored their first point. So I, what are you going to do? Apparently, that was the hottest hand in the nation. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though, is, is like you said, when you have the hot when you, when – when your team has a hot hand and they're shooting well and they're doing well, it's, it's adrenaline, you let it run out. And if you're ahead – I'm not saying you let them catch up. But you let them get on a run, and that's the other the other point that I know we're going to get to is is runs are a big thing. They they have a lot. They have in multiple uh, times in a lot of these games, they've had some good runs throughout the game. Just I know we're going to get into the bad, yeah. but it just kind of it flows over into the bad. So last thing in the good, and I mean this is a bit of a stretch, but I, this is more of like a most improved thing. So this was just something that I've been noticing the last couple games in the PSU or Penn State. First half especially, Galen Smith's post moves continue to impress. He's got a baby hook that like seems undefendable at times. Other times he's not doing anything for the team, but he seems to be able to go over everyone and anyone. And then also Hamilton's finally playing the forward position that we thought he was instead of just launching threes off the bench. Um, and I saw a little bit of Hart and Wiggins cut into the basket. It just seemed like it seemed like they were practicing. It seemed like they were trying to find ways to play inside out without size, but. We need to win the game. You can't get beat by Penn State twice in a well, year. I don't especially get it. especially when you're you need to get, you need to win the game. You need to get in. You know this is your chance. You, you were a bubble tournament, you know team at that point. It wasn't nothing was clear set. Still nothing is clear set. But you you need to do what it takes. And you're right. I think at times there it was like okay, let's see. Does this work? Okay, let's see. Does this work? And I get it. If you are a team that is secured a spot in the tournament. You're you've played that well to say there's no there's no reason for this team to not be in the tournament. But you're a bubble team. You need to do what it takes to, to get into this tournament. Simple as that. These two games are an absolute embarrassment. You could have given me a hundred guesses and I would have never said that this team would have lost both of these games, especially coming off of winning those five straight uh, you know, you beat a team like Michigan State. It's just all that. I, I there's no. Fred, you way. only need two guesses. It's yes or no, man. Yeah, you only need two. and I would have said, <laughs> I would have said no. You said no all twice. five times. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we're bringing Fred back in for the yeah. bad here. Then you know, oh great, all these things seem related awesome. to me. We'll get to that at the end. Zero bench points for the Terps against the Northwestern Wildcats. Zero. I mean, that's been this team's problem since the beginning. Is that they have absolutely no depth, and I think that's part of what happened here was that. When you have this seven-man rotation that we've talked about for the last couple of weeks, this team just got tired. You know, they came off of what seven days rest when they had the Michigan State game that carried them through. But when you have to play games that close together and you're not using your depth and you're not using your bench like that, this is what's going to happen. Well, that that could very well be. I mean, look at uh, Dante Scott here in the bad qu- column. Dante Scott four fouls, five turnovers, and only one shot made in the Northwestern game. When you're tired, when you're slow-footed, you reach, you foul. It could be related in that way as well. And he's been a bit bipolar this year in his play. I mean, he's had some games out there where you're like, damn, Dante Scott's shooting the lights out of the gym. Can't miss anything. He's got an energy on another level. And then there's other times where he comes out there in that game where he just looked absolutely sloppy. We talked about it in that Northwestern game. He looked terrible. Yep. Well, he wasn't the only one. Eric Ayala looked terrible at two for 12. Yeah. Two for 12. And even with That's that. That's your boy. I know. I'm the Eric Ayala truther. And even with that, 
He had a chance to save his night, to be the hero with a lightly contested three under the 22nd mark to take the lead. Another clank off the rim, and Morcel followed it up a couple seconds later with missing one that would have taken it to overtime. So so my question with the Morcel stuff is that, you know, you have two games there where you're coming down to the wire in both of those games, and games that you shouldn't be. You should be blowing the doors off of both of these teams. But sense. you've got a player one singular player in Aaron Wiggins who's actually playing good basketball. And in neither one of those games, when it matters the most, do you give Aaron Wiggins the opportunity to shoot the ball? You give it to, I don't, listen, I love Daryl Morsell, but Daryl Morsell is not a scorer. You give him the shot at three at the end of the game in a clutch situation. He did it one time last year against Minnesota that he ended up winning that game. But outside of that, he's never been that last minute shooter, the clutch shooter at the end of the game. Yeah, I I mean, again, it goes back to coaching issues here. Yeah. Uh, according to Turge, uh, the Northwestern game, the shot w- or the play was designed to go to either Ayala or Wiggins, whichever one got open. And of course, Northwestern wasn't letting Wiggins get open. They knew that. So you needed a play that got Wiggins open or fouled. Yeah, that's what you needed. You didn't need an either. Teams or play. find ways to get their good players open. That's it's again. Yeah. It's like you said, and the inbounding not, the ball has been an issue with Turge coach teams yeah. for years northwestern found a way to to beat the only player that was beating them 26 points yeah. for wiggins we have lundy going for 31 nobody else has got five right. and we can't figure out how to stop lundy so yeah. it's, it's just an issue there um so again tired so close yet so far i mean basically in the fourth quarter the last 11 minutes of the penn state game we were outscored 30 to 11 yeah 11 points in 11 minutes it's a 40 point game pace yep that's, that's so terrible. embarrassing yeah, and that's that's been again this team's problem is these lulls. Yeah, even with that drought, it took Penn State to the one twenty three mark remaining to take the lead for the first time with only fifty eight points. How are we getting beat with people scoring fifty eight points? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. We can't consistently score. A Wildcat game, same thing. We ended zero for seven from the field. Only needed two of them to fall to win that game. So it's all. I think you're right. I think we were stretching it. I mean, we have not. We we're no, you know, stranger to short teams. Teams that are playing. People crazy, 27, you know, 37 minutes a game, whatever. But these players don't seem to be it. I mean, this is not Anthony Cowan. This is not Kevin Herter that we're running those 20 or 37 minutes a game. Let's be honest, though. This team as a whole has overplayed expectations this year. Yeah, they looked what we thought they would look at times. And these two games, they looked like what we thought they would look like going into this season. I think we just kind of held on to hope because that five-game stretch there, they seem to put it together. They seem to be clicking offensively, which has been their struggle most of the year. But then the truth came out these last two games. So, I mean, I put here, are we gassed? I think we both agree in here. Yeah, We're gassed. 100% they're gassed. In the fourth you quarter, cannot they have a seven-man rotation like that. And and ex- and when you're playing games on two days rest, three days rest, expect this team to be able to do this night in and night out. It doesn't out. help when you're when you're, for the most part, a purely defensive team. Right? They're one of the they're That's one of the, the lowest. Only reason we're in the position we're in right now. That's the only reason we're even talking about this team being a turning team is because they are so, good, so good defensively. defensively. But offensively, they're one of the they are the least scoring team right. in the Big Ten. Right, and that's 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 kind of my point is you're putting all the effort is is put into stopping other teams, which is great. But long term, it's it's not a recipe for success. And honestly, I will be I will be absolutely surprised if in any way, shape, or form they make it out of the first round of the tournament because I think they're going to be too gassed after those games after those two games and the the Big Ten tournament. 
I just don't see them being able to be successful. Mark Turgeon talked about it after the game, too. That that last loss to Penn State, it was an emotional loss. There was a lot of tears in the locker room and that kind of thing. And, you know, that can be mentally taxing, too, you know, and uh, I don't know how much team, how much gas this team has left. Did they expel it during that five-game winning streak and they're just going to shit the bed in the Big Ten tournament and then again in the NCAA tournament? I'm thinking more likely that that's what we're going to see, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And again, I mean, we've, we've kind of beat this to death, but congratulations, Daryl Morsell. You won the Big Ten yeah. Defensive Player of the Year. It's well-deserved. Congratulations I to think, your social media team for doing a great job. Yeah, and I think you could probably win a national championship. But again, we didn't play. If people aren't understanding how good Lundy was, he made 11 of the 19 field goals made by the Penn State team. 11 of 19. Wow. 31 points. I mean, it, I don't, I don't know how you let that happen. Drew, Drew what were you wanting to chime in? Uh, small two cents. Never, oh. I'm never talking terps. But uh, do you got now? Say they lose to Michigan State. Would you? Would you? I don't know. What I say. Would you rather to see them? But would you almost think or would rather see them be one of the 11 or 12 seed play in games? Not necessarily the 10 seed anymore, or an 11 or a 12 outright, but like have to actually play in because that almost sounds like what should become of them if they collapse like they did. I don't like our chances either way, regardless of what they got to do. I, I, I think this team is a one-and-done or maybe a, a, a two-game, depending upon the matchups and all that stuff. But uh, I don't know, Ryan. What's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, we talked about um, trying to get either up or down, and obviously we're not going up because right. we lost these two games. If we would have won both, and then I would, I would be sitting here going, we need to beat Michigan State to try to get to a five seed. But we can't do that now. Right. So. I mean, if Jeremy's right and we get in either way, I'd almost be okay with losing to Michigan State and dropping down some. But yeah. honestly, it all depends what you think of Turge because there are plenty of Maryland fans that are, I call them fans, but I don't, I'm, not, I'm not doing this. I'm never going to root against the team fully. Like, if I'm rooting against us against Michigan State, it's because I want them to make a run in the tournament. Right. It's not because I want them to lose both and get out Turge. Like, these kids didn't do anything wrong to you. You, you should root for your team. I mean, regardless yeah. of the Turge situation, I mean, we can all agree that he has some challenges there as far as coaching goes. But this athletic program is just not in position financially to go out there and get a big name. So 100% even, buyout and have to get a big name? That's right. Not gonna that's happen. not going to happen. So whoever this replacement that's coming in is going to be either a retread somewhere that's just trying to find another job, or it's going to be some young upstart kid like a like a Juan Dixon that's playing down in Coppin State, somebody like that of that nature that it's not going to cost the the university a whole lot of money. So Wildcat game brought up one other postseason type issue for me. There were only seven free throw attempts for the Terps and only 11 for the Wildcats. Turge was quoted as saying it looked like a football game out there. Obviously, we didn't handle that well. Is postseason basketball kind of like postseason football where these refs swallow their whistle? Is it going to be a, a more physical style of basketball that we're not going to handle well? Or is that just a one-off issue? I'll give you my opinion. I mean, I, th- I think it's in the tournament. These guys, the, the, the pureness to the tournament is it's, it's usually pure basketball. Right, these guys are playing tough basketball. For some of these guys, it's their it's it could be the end of their basketball careers. And so letting them letting them play out, I think the games that you see that happen, you see lower foul calls. I don't know the numbers. I feel like there's less fouls in the tournament just based on like my thought process of of seeing games and not seeing a lot of fouls and it just being a pure basketball game, it becomes a little bit more physical down low. You get that. This is the closest some of these guys will get will ever get to the NBA. This is the closest. So I think that's why you you do let things go. And to that to that point, 
I don't know that they can handle it. The, the, the amount of fouls in that Penn State game was ridiculous. Some of them, okay, it was ticky-tacky at times, but the majority of them were just stupid fouls on the players' parts as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with what Scott's saying. All right, um, so Thursday, who shows up? Do we get the team that went on five-game win streak or the team that shot the bed versus nobody's? I think I think we're going to have the team that shot the bed just because I think, like I said, I think they're exhausted. I uh, just... I think they're going to come out motivated. They might score well out the gate, but then they're going to have one of those lulls mid-game towards the end of the game where they can't hit the broadside of a barn because they're going to run down on energy and they're just not going to be able to get the job done. It's going to be a competitive Especially game. Especially in a physical Big Ten tournament game. I think it's going to be a competitive game just because of, of their history with playing against top-tier teams. Um, I, I just... Something, something, and maybe it's maybe I got the Jeremy itch of betting the underdog. Right, <laughs> but something, something and is telling Vegas me. Itch. Yeah, I got, the, I got the Vegas itch too. Maybe, I, maybe the Vegas. Hey, I hold your money for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know if I make some. Maybe you don't need to. <laughs> All right, I'll place a bet for you, Ryan. How about we, that? We, we might work that out after the show. <laughs> the right. Athletic NBA Big Draft Board was released. Top spot is a surprising Dante Scott at seventy-eight. So still not in the NBA draft. No. There at seventy-eight. There's sixty NBA dra- draft spots. And not even that many with guaranteed money or positions on teams. Then quote closely followed behind by Aaron Wiggins at eighty. So does this mean we're more likely keeping both these players, or more more likely losing both these players, maybe to a G League or overseas? Nah, I just don't think there's enough money in the G League overseas. Potentially, that could be an Aaron Wiggins thing. I think Dante Scott's got another year, maybe two left in College Park. Uh, I'd love to see Aaron Wiggins coming back. The, the only problem with them is the, right now he's 22; he'll be 23 by the time that year, you know, that season kicks off. Uh, so he's getting up there as far as draftable age. Um, I don't know how much more growth. Aaron Wiggins has listen he took a big step forward this year as far as his aggressiveness especially in that last that last stretch of games there where he seemed to not be as timid he seemed to be able to take the control of the ball and I like that and we saw more of the score that we saw his freshman year and I hope we continue to see that at College Park not at the professional level next year I my take on this is I look at it and I say this is this is a loaded question Ryan because the point Right, I I get that, but it's a loaded question because of the tournament, right? Because if you have some guys that have are are in the top sixty in the tournament and they shit the bed in the tournament when it truly matters, teams NBA teams look at that. If you can't perform at a high level when the lights are on, you start losing value. And so a guy like Dante Scott or even Aaron Wiggins, if they do well in you know the Big Ten tournament or they do well in in uh, the tournament itself. It could increase their value. And look, they're not that far off. They're not that far out of the bubble. I get it's 18 and 20 guys, but it's real easy for that to kind of happen. All right. I know we're running long, man, but I had to had to give the Lady Terps their credit. They oh, won, for sure. Hell yeah. They just won the sixth Big Ten title in only seven years of being in the Big Ten. Not, not, mind you, like this Brenda Mode. Let me say that. Brenda Mode. This lady's hoop squad was basically pieced together. They had, they had five, all, all five, five of their starters gone. transfer out or go pro. 
Uh, and they had to rebuild this. So they're yeah. pulling, you know, people from all different schools. They threw this together and it came together and had a great so, year. Yeah, came- so with that said, Brenda Freeze won the Big Ten Coach of the Year, and yeah. I'm pretty sure she's going to win other awards there too. For so, sure. So let me, let me, I'm going to pose this question to you because I think it's a legitimate question. I know that you're, you know, you aren't on the, the fire church thing, and there are people that are. I'm not one of those. State, I think Ryan's starting Penn to get State there. got me close, <laughs> but I've never been that guy. Right. Yeah. But let me ask you this. Does, is there value or or something here to the idea of seeing a Brenda Freeze come come in? You know, you're saying no, don't don't make it. It's a big name, but part of Brenda Freeze is it's not only recruiting, but it's scheming with her. Are you, you saying know, moving Brenda to the men's team? I think that that would be really bad PR move for Maryland's wow. point. Wow, really? I, yes, because you're 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 putting down the women's team as if this is not as big an accomplishment. Come do this for us over here. Right. If if she worked out her contract or if she made the, the request like, I've accomplished everything I can do in the women's game. I want to try my foot here. Great. But to literally be like, well, can you come do this over here? I don't think it would it would look well. And I, I, see, I look at it and say, now you're doing it in multiple portions of the program. And maybe I'm, I'm being naive, and I absolutely could be being naive with that. Because I, mean, I see, I see your point. Sultan, great. If, I mean, I would imagine that's already happening. I imagine Brenda and Turgeon are close, and yeah. they, they talk already. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know that it matters. Maybe, but maybe I would you should not, find some scheming yeah. out there. I would not remove her from her head coaching duties while No, she's I'm not saying remove her. her. I'm just saying, like, I think there's a. I think there is Have the conversation. a. a, a whether it's with Maryland or she can go somewhere else in the Big Ten and be a men's coach, I'm oh, not I've, putting down the women. Brenda the the men probably, just make more money. We've talked yeah. about this. The men, the men's team makes more money, even though the women are way fucking better. Yeah. They are way better. Well, it's a regular, different X's and O's every, game, too, so it's not as easy of a transition from the women's game to the men's it's game. It's a very different game. The, yeah. the league's not as deep. The winning teams are the winning teams every year. You're, you're seeing more. And that's not saying you're that you're she can't be successful. You're, no, you're, you're seeing a few absolutely. assistant coaches in the NBA that are females. So no, I'm not, I'm Again, not saying it's any this, different. This isn't to say that she can't be successful. I'm, it's just it, yeah, it's not I'm as easy not, as a transition as you I don't think. want to gut a successful team in hoping yeah. she can oh, be no, successful. No, no, I'm not saying that if she, it, I'm, I, I'm saying like if if that opportunity comes that she says, yeah. you know, I want I, I want to go the next level, whether it's with you guys or with somebody else, whether maybe she's you know, maybe she's a, a athletic director type situation. I think she's gonna be there till she's old and gray and she's gonna be dominating the country with women's basketball. I think that's what her She's gonna turn them into a powerhouse. A yeah, true I mean, tr- and she already is a true She's already, but. you know, a top ten program as of now. Like right. yeah. that they're gonna they're gonna stay that way and hopefully they get to the top five program. Um twenty eighteen was their only down year. They got second in the Big Ten. Sorry about that guys. Um but that's it. They're the greatest greatest thing we got going on at, at Maryland. <laughs> Well, that was it for the Birdland BS uh, Shell and Tell segment for the Terps. Since that recording, the Lady Terps have only gotten better. Lady Terps have taken down another Big Ten tournament championship. Congratulations to Brenda Freeze and all those Lady Terps out there. You guys had a heck of a turnaround, losing all five starters from last year to this unbelievable showing. It's a it's one of the top programs in the country, has been for a while, will be for years, and I'm really glad to you know, have you guys represent the university. It's really cool to see what you're doing and wish you best of luck in the tournament. I feel like it's like final four bust every year for them, but this year, especially as well as they're showing final four bust. So hopefully you guys get that showing going on. Let's get another national championship for the lady Terps down there in college park. That being said, I hope you guys really enjoyed uh, both the insights of Jeremy Khan on the men's basketball team. I hope you like to talk about, uh, Maryland basketball, obviously, 
while you're listening to this, you now know Maryland men's basketball did beat Michigan State. We're not too worried about Selection Sunday. It'll still be interesting. I'll still like to see what line we end up on. I'm thinking it'll probably be about a 10 seed. I'm hoping for a little lower than that. Just help us out a little bit. But I, I think that this year went about as well as we thought it was going to. Is that what we want for the Maryland men's team? Not really. But when you looked at that roster and were honest with yourselves, if we win one game in the nat- in the NCAA tournament, that's right where my goals were. I mean, it's really sad because those were not our goals last year with the, the squad we had. But that's pretty much where I'm at. And we had a really nice game against Michigan State. It's amazing we beat them twice, you know, end of February, beginning of March when Izzo's teams are usually clicking at full bore. Had a really good showing against Michigan. Michigan is a good team. If Michigan's not in the Elite Eight, I'm going to be shocked. I don't. I don't like Dickinson very much. Not a big fan of Juwan Howard. But, you know, we'll save that for this Tuesday night, Birdland BS. Tune in 7.30 p.m. Facebook, YouTube, or uh, catch us again on the podcast version. Definitely going to talk the Michigan State game. Uh, definitely going to talk the Michigan game with the Juwan Howard fight. All the controversy that's going on with Dickinson and everything else through that team. What this... Little mini rivalry we seem to be building with them is going. Not that it's a rivalry when you go in 0 and 3. I guess I shouldn't call that just more of a heated exchange. <laughs> um, then we'll get into the uh, football recruiting, which we completely skipped over this this week. That was my fault. It was in the outline with Jeremy Kahn there. I knew I had to get my basketball question to him before he left, and then I never went back to the fo- football recruiting. So we'll get into the Nair Graham situation with his decommit, recommit. Um, get into the uh, commitment of our uh, probably future center we just got. So please tune in. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. Until next time, here's to wishing all is well under the show.